ever wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. Before we dive into our conversation today, I want to remind you that we have exciting opportunities for those of you who are interested in transforming or expanding your birth support practice, or maybe you'd like to begin and become a doula. I teach global Dona birth doula workshops, both virtual and in-person. So if you're ready to make a positive impact on the birthing experiences in your community, or maybe even for a family member, check out the details at our link below, orgasmicbirth.com forward slash Dona, D-O-N-A hyphen birth hyphen doula hyphen training. And on that website, you can take a short quiz to see if you're ready to become a doula. Today's episode is a special one as we're discussing moving from birth trauma to pleasurable and empowered birth. Have you experienced a birth that left you grappling with feelings of trauma or maybe disappointment? Or perhaps, like so many of us, you faced life events that have caused deep-seated emotional wounds. We're learning our life experience and our beliefs significantly impact our birth journeys. Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth podcast. Today, I am beyond thrilled to have Moran Liviani join us. Moran is not only a birth doula, but she's a Lamaze educator, a hypnobirthing practitioner, and a placenta encapsulation specialist. I have to share that her inspiring posts and stories on Instagram at Two Life Doula have caught my attention, and I hope after today, yours. I am delighted to have her share her wisdom with you today. Moran has been working with families in birth for nearly 12 years now. Her passion originally began from her own birth experiences. She's now supported hundreds of families through their birth preparation and through their births. She believes when women change their mindset around birth, they open up the immense possibility of walking away from their births truly transformed into empowered mothers. Today, she's joining us to not only discuss her personal journey, but to provide valuable insights and tips on how to move from trauma to a pleasurable and empowered birth. Welcome. I really couldn't wait for today. So thank you yeah. for joining me. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So it's been great to, to be here. I'm so glad because what you're putting out in your posts, like you just feel mm -hmm. your wisdom and the knowledge that you're bringing to inspire and empower others. But I know that so often that journey begins personal. Would mm -hmm. you share a little bit about your own experiences and how that really inspired you to do all that you're doing today? Yeah, I guess like... With most doulas, we kind of come into this work most of the time from personal experiences. But for me, it was, wasn't something I envisioned for myself to become like a birth worker in any way. 
And when I kind of got pregnant nearly 20 years ago with my first girl, I just kind of went into this uh, like sort of like realization that, you know, at birth, you kind of give your power away to somebody else to take care of like what's going to happen in the course of the pregnancy and the labor. And I didn't really think much of it. I didn't really prepare much for it. And it wasn't something that was even kind of on my radar. It was just like, you go to the doctor, you confirm that you're pregnant um, with a blood test, and then they give you a list of obstetricians. And I just thought that that was the only care provider that was kind of there for you in, in pregnancy and birth. So it was really, for me, something that what you don't know is what you don't know. And I wasn't seeking out information. I wasn't seeking out knowledge. I was just kind of going with the flow of what everyone does. And so that was kind of my journey for her, for my first daughter, Bella's pregnancy. I just went with the flow. I knew in my body that when I did see my obstetrician, it didn't feel right, but I was kind of dismissing my own instinctive intuition and feelings and kind of going, well, what do you know? Like, you're not an expert in this field. Like, what do you know about your body? And it really never kind of dawned on me. And it's just like crazy for me to think in what I do today that it never dawned on me. And I didn't kind of think about like, if it doesn't feel right, why are you doing it? But I just kept going to my usual appointments, which were usually like maybe five, 10 minutes. It was no chit chat. It was more just about checking your vitals and like ticking the boxes and things like that. And so I just went through with emotions and stuff. And I remember like at probably about when I was about 37, 38 weeks, I went out to dinner with my in-laws and it was a few weeks for me kind of reaching my estimated due date. And I had like a mini panic attack while I was just sitting there having dinner. And I remember I just went to the bathroom by myself and I was like, what is happening? Like, why am I feeling dread? And it was definitely with the upcoming birth coming on, it's a lot of things were coming up for me. It was sort of like, you know, a Pandora's box of stuff, just a little bit unraveling. But I was suppressing it and I was just putting it to the side. And I came from a background that I had um, a lot of childhood trauma, stuff that had been unresolved. I never kind of dealt with it never really got any therapeutic healing for it, never kind of really spoke about it to anyone other kind of with my partner and things like that. And there was a lot of buried shit in me kind of things. And I was like, I'm just going to like, you know, ignore it. What I don't have to deal with is better for my mindset sort of thing. And so I kind of like went through the pregnancy like that, just holding on to stuff and burying it and burying it. And I had no idea, like I have today, that birth has a way of unpeeling the onion. Yes. So, yeah. And I was just like, I was very much like when I look at myself now, in hindsight, I was very much in denial of the growth that I was supposed to experience because I had no idea that this is what was happening internally within me. And so as the pregnancy progressed around probably 39 weeks, my obstetrician said, listen, I've booked you in for an induction um, next week if you don't go into labor on your due date. And I was like, holy shit, what, what is he talking about? I had no idea what the words that he was saying. And it was just like, it didn't make sense. And yet I was just like consenting to everything that he was saying with just no knowledge of what it actually meant. Thankfully, I actually went into labor two days before my estimated due date. I went to spontaneous labor. But the first contraction that I felt... I felt absolute 
complete fight or flight response. Like I'm rejecting this labor, completely rejecting it. And my body was just wanting it to stop. Like I just did not want to be in labor. I wasn't ready for it. A lot of stuff that was coming up was around my childhood. And I'm just like, I'm not ready to be a mother. And it was just like, everything was coming up because I just kind of like, I buried it for such a long time. And it just like wanted to, I was such in a vulnerable state and wanted to come out. And that was that moment. And so I made my husband call the hospital because we were at home at the time. And made my husband call the hospital and say that I want a cesarean. I told him, just call them. I want a cesarean. I just want this to be done with. I don't want to go through this because it wasn't a, a bodily pain that I was feeling. It was more of a mind pain. If I can like, if I can kind of explain it, it was sort of like I was fighting my mind so badly that I was actually feeling that I was more tortured than in my mind than in my physical body the, from the actual contractions because I could deal with the contractions, but my mind was struggling to accept what was happening in my body. So I was fighting it so badly. And so he rang the hospital. He had no idea what to do. So he rang the hospital and told him, listen, my wife's requesting a cesarean. And the midwife said to him, listen, we don't offer a cesarean as a method of pancreatic. <laughs> so I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I actually have to go through this. So then it, it literally felt like, it literally felt like Deborah. It's so like, and it's the best way that I can imagine it. So you go up a roller coaster and you hear that click, 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 and you're up going up the top and you're like, you can't change your mind. No. <laughs> There's no, take me off the roller coaster. I just want to get off, take this thing off of me. It literally felt like that. I felt like I was going over that roller coaster and there was no way to come down. You're just going down with it. And it was just this constant pressure in my head of like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. My mind was just going back and forth with it. So I was really fighting it. I was 100% presenting with so much adrenaline and fear. And so I ended up having a very long labor with her, ended up having lots of intervention with her ended up having, you know, everything that I never envisioned that I would have with her other than a cesarean, you know what I mean? But I had everything that they were offering and, and some of the things I didn't even consent to, but I was just like, it literally felt like when I entered the hospital, I was kind of like, take my body, do what you want with it. And at the end of it, they gave me a baby and I just felt completely numb. So I was just like that first year, especially after having her, I probably cried every day, if not every other day kind of thing. And I just felt really numb. And I didn't understand if this is birth, then how are women having more babies? Like, I just didn't get it. Like, how is it possible that my own mother has three children when this is birth? Like, I was just like, that's torture. Like, that's absolute torture. But I still wasn't out of space to make the connection of like, you had so much to deal with before the birth that you didn't process. You didn't seek out anybody to talk to about it. You didn't do anything in terms of different modalities to help you deal with it. You didn't look internally within. You didn't um, seek that support system. I also didn't have any family in Australia. So that was extra hard, especially in the postnatal period, to have kind of reach out and have someone to be with me because my husband had to go back to work. And so it was just me and my daughter. And so I kind of I really felt very attached to her because I felt like she was my support and I was her support. And I kind of gave her all of the love that I needed sort of thing at that, at that space of time. And so there was immense growth from that. And I feel like the first year was more about survival 
And once I kind of got out of the first year, I kind of saw a little bit of like, mm, I really like in hindsight, things look really different kind of thing. Like when I come out of that first year and you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, these are the things that might have contributed to that experience. And on top of that, not being listened to in the hospital and having it cascade into a way that I'd never imagined, it was kind of re-triggering a lot of that trauma and compounding that trauma. And so it was just a real kind of sense of like, I need to grow from this. I don't want to be a weak mother for her in my sense. Like that was what's going through my head. But in, in essence, I just wanted to feel powerful again. You know, I just really wanted to feel powerful again. It was really important to me. So there was a four and a half year age gap between my first and my second. And uh, we were living up in Sydney when I had my first. And we moved up to the Gold Coast, which is about an hour from here from Brisbane. It's just on the coastline. And it's just really beautiful. It's like right on the water kind of thing. And one of the reasons that we moved up there is that my husband actually showed me there's a place on the Gold Coast called Paradise Point, and it's just a little suburb. And there's a little bridge connecting that suburb to a little island, and it's called Ephraim Island. And it was just, they opened there just probably about a year or so before, like an apartment complex that was right on the Broadwater, okay? And my husband one day came home and he said to me, I want to show you something on the internet. And he showed me this apartment complex right on the water. He showed me they were renting apartments there. And he said to me, do you want to move up there? I think we need a change from what's going on in this environment because it was a lot re-triggering on what happened with Bella's birth. And I was just not kind of still in a place where I just needed that extra change to kind of just get to that next step of healing. And so he showed it to me and I said to him, looks amazing. Like, when do we go? Kind of thing. And he didn't have a job. I didn't have anything waiting for me there. Bella was maybe like two and a half and we packed up the car and we drove down to the Gold Coast and we rented a place that Ephraim Island with very the little, very little money that we had. And my husband started looking for jobs and I was right on the water. And I don't know what it is, but for me, water is very therapeutic and healing. Like it's not about being in the water, but it's about being close to the water. And I was a new woman. Like I was literally, I felt reborn being close to the water. And it's something in me just sparked to like, oh, I think like I'm ready to think about having another baby. Bella was turning three soon kind of thing. And I was like, maybe we should try again. And, and then so probably about, I don't know, like a year or so later, we kind of tried again. And I miscarried, like I had a miscarriage. And I was like, oh my God, is that the sign? Like the universe is telling me don't get pregnant. <laughs> this is a sign. And oh. I was like, no, I'm going to, you know, maybe I just have to just wait it out, give it a bit more time. And so we got pregnant again. And then I was just like, this birth has to be different. Like I have to do something different this time. And up until that point, I was doing a lot of therapeutic healing. I was seeing a psychologist that worked through a lot of the kind of inner demons that I had with the stuff that's happened in my childhood. And I was, you know, discussing all my fears and things that would be triggering to me, especially coming up to the birth and things like that and to have other babies because I really wanted a big family. And so I came to the point where I was surrounding myself with a lot of women that were like-minded and even women that weren't, but they were very supportive of what I wanted. 
And so I met a woman that we became quite good friends. And she said to me during my pregnancy, she said to me, why don't you hire a doula? And this was like, oh, I love it. This was like 2008. And like, you couldn't just Google doula. Like you would have to like actually research what a doula was. So I was like, what the freak is a doula? Like, what is that? And so I looked it up and I was like, oh my God, how did I not know of a doula before? Like, this is amazing. <laughs> it sounds like she sounds amazing. Like, she sounds magical. And so she actually put me in contact with a friend of hers who was hired a doula on the Gold Coast. And I got in contact with her and I was, I just clicked with her. I, it was just a, like, I just felt this instant connection with her. I felt like she was. She understood me and she just, basically she sat with me and she normalized the experience. She basically showed me lots of videos. She showed me orgasmic birth. You know, I mean, I remember watching that. I'm going, holy fuck, if I could birth like that, (laughs) that would be amazing. She showed me like lots of films. She showed me even there was a film where there was Russians birthing in the, in the ocean. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. She showed me so many, but the thing is I was so exposed to birth so much that I was just like this is the most incredible thing ever like it just literally I I could literally feel my neuropathways change and like I like you know how they talk on neuroplasticity my brain was changing with the vision of what I was seeing because it was just felt like if they could do it why couldn't I like there was nothing different from them to me you know what I mean and so I started working with her in terms of like, I, I said to her, listen, if I have a certain trigger in labor, this would be my trigger. You know what I mean? I would tell her what those were so she could understand and she could talk me through it rather just kind of like, like, you know, give in to the fight or flight and just, you know, like, cause I would say at any point, just take, you know, like, give me this or give me that. But I wanted her to catch it early so she could talk me through it. So, because I knew what my triggers would be. And so she did that with me and she gave me like to read birthing from within, which I absolutely loved. And I worked on all the exercises that they had in the book. I remember I was just so mentally prepared and I actually did more mental preparation than I did physical preparation. And the only thing that I did like my first birth is that I decided to hire an obstetrician. Okay. No. Like when I think about it now, I'm thinking, what the hell were you thinking? I decided to hire, I decided to get through a private hospital, decided to hire an obstetrician. And he was lovely. He was absolutely lovely. Knew all the things to say in my appointments with him. Was very kind of attentive and caring. Like, you know, he was listening to me and everything. It was very different to my first obstetrician. But then at one of my appointments with him, he gave me an epidural consent form to sign. And he said to me, Moran, do you mind signing this? So I have this in your file for the birthing day kind of thing for the labor. And I said to him, no, I'm not having an epidural this time. So there's no need for me to sign this. And he gave a bit of a chuckle and laughed a little bit. And he said, you know, women in labor, like they change their minds all the time. And I said to him, I'm well aware of what happens in labor. And if I need to sign for an epidural, I will sign for it on the birthing day. So he just put it away kind of thing. But that planted the seed in my head of like, he's very much in a medical kind of mindset, mind frame, and that's not what I'm wanting. 
And so I kind of went on with the pregnancy, put it aside, kind of disregarded that because I knew how I was going to labor. And in the back of my mind, my doula was a free birth doula. And I never intended to free birth, but I knew that in the back of my mind that she had attended birth where there's no medical care provider there. And so pregnancy goes on. I felt great in that pregnancy. And then very close to her estimated due date, I went into spontaneous labor in the middle of the night, woke up at around kind of three-ish in the middle of the night, had a bit of a kind of cramping, things like that. And it signaled to me the same sensation that I had with my first birth. But this time I was excited. And I said to myself, I'm going to get some rest. And I went back to sleep. So I went back to sleep, woke up the next morning. Things kind of started coming and going, coming and going. I said to my husband, let's go for a walk. We walked over the bridge to Paradise Point. We went to a bakery, got a croissant, breathed through a contraction. It was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. Like, I just can't even, like, when I think about it, I'm like, I wish I could do that over again because it was just so beautiful. Like it was just so special. And so it was just the most wonderful day. It was a bit kind of cloudy and it was just a bit of rain outside every once in a while, but I just felt so good in my body. And I just felt so strong in my body that I was just like, I'm here, like, let's take this on kind of thing. And when I talk to even women today about like mantras for birth, like, and I say it has to be really personal to you. And my mantra was actually nothing to do with her. It was actually to do with me. And I was like, I want to feel strong. This is my birth to feel strong. And so I went through the labor. We kind of, you know, did things around the house. Like I was just like, you know, going through some active birth positions and things like that. And at a certain point, the contractions started getting a bit closer together and a bit stronger. So I called my doula to come and she was with me and she was really great. She was doing really good hip squeezes and stuff. I love her. But she was good because she was there. And every time I looked at her, she resonated confidence in what was happening. And I felt that confidence emanate into my body. And I just felt like this is normal and there's nothing kind of wrong with what's happening in this picture. And so I just went through it. And at a certain point, I was in my living room and my waters broke. And so my waters released. And then my doula said to me, I think you're really close to having the baby. So if we're going to head to the hospital, we need to do it now sort of thing. And so I looked at her and I said to her, I don't want to go to the hospital. Like, I just, I can't, I can't go to the hospital. I said to her, can you fill up my bathtub? I want to have this baby at home. And so she ran upstairs. She filled up my bathtub. I got into the bathtub and I was feeling great. Like I was feeling amazing. But then right before I had her, I had that trigger of like, and for me, it comes sort of like a heat of like, I'm about to get a panic attack sort of thing. I felt my body like heat up from that little bit of burst of adrenaline to have the energy, but I felt to like heat up and like it was starting to kind of take over me. And I looked at her and I said, am I making the wrong decision? I don't want anything to happen to me because I've got Bella and like, should we go like to the hospital? And I was like, I knew that that was coming from that adrenaline burst. And she said to me, you're okay. You're just having a baby. You're just having a baby. Just look at me. And I remember she had these really beautiful eyes. I remember looking to her eyes. She was holding my hand and I just felt safe. I felt really safe. You know what I mean? And I didn't feel like there was anything wrong with the birth. It was just me panicking. You know what I mean? 
And she brought me back down to being very mindful of the moment and not kind of letting that sabotage a good birth because I am safe. And so moments later, I birthed her in the bathtub. I was the first one to touch her, first one her to come to my chest. And man, I could have had a baby later, like a week <laughs> later. I felt that bloody good. It was just the most amazing experience. Like, and so I like, I could have like, seriously, I could have jumped on the rooftop and like, my husband was so freaking proud. Like he started calling like random people saying we had a home birth because he was just so freaking proud. It was just amazing. It changed us as a family. It changed me as a person. Like even now, if I have something that I have to go through that's hard or challenging, I say to myself, look at what you freaking did. Like there's nothing you can't do. You birthed a human. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's amazing. Like it just, it really is not about the day. It's about how it changes you as a person. So like when people say it's just another day, like just go in there and just succumb to the medicine that is available to you. And I'm saying that's not about that. It's about changing how you feel like birth can play a huge role in you going into motherhood feeling empowered or you going into motherhood feeling broken. You know what I mean? And that day I reclaimed my body and I reclaimed my mind. You know what I mean? And it changed me. It completely changed me. And I was like, the, the seed was planted of like, I want to be that doula to normalize that for other people. But I kind of only went into this work after I had my third. And I was like, yeah, I'm ready to take this on. And I was just going to every birth that I could go to, <laughs> to like experience it and just see it. And every time I go into birth, and even now, like I've been to hundreds of births and I go in, I'm going, there's always a lesson to be learned from watching women. Always, right? Always. Always. And oh my goodness, I just have to say, you know, hearing your story, I'm sure people listening to little teary eyed, really heard from your first birth. And when you said words like you felt numb and, you know, the Mm. way that it impacted you, not only at the birth, but for the time after. And then to hear your words of really reclaiming your power, your body, your birth, and yeah. just impacting you and your husband too. Yeah. Like yeah. both of you were really transformed and that impacts so much. So it I does. know that you're helping so many people now. And and I love that you talk about too, like our beliefs and our past, you know, so many of us have past traumas or maybe a past birth that was traumatic and how important it is to be aware that those things impact our birth. What are some of the ways that you're helping your clients now or helping others to kind of approach birth when you know that? Well, what I saw like since I've attended birth, I saw like a bit of a pattern of women who I've attended their births and there's in some point of their births, they're like, Babies either were coming into like a little bit of funky positions or there was a bit of obstruction or things like that. And a lot of these women had stuff that was unresolved. You know what I mean? Stuff that was unresolved, stuff that was coming up. And it doesn't just have to be trauma. It might just be something to do with their belief system around birth. It might have to do with their relationship with their partner. And you can really sense that in the room. Like you could really feel that. And most of the time when I do the debrief with them, that story comes out and 
some of the time they don't want to share it in pregnancy. You know what I mean? So when I see kind of that pattern, I, I've learned to now speak to clients prenatally and kind of go, where are you at in terms of what are your unconscious beliefs are around birth? And it's not about just their belief, but about what their birth history is. So like, how did your mom birth you? Like, what are the stories that your mom has told you about your birth? You know what I mean? And a lot of the time they come out, well, my mom said my birth was the most roughest birth she'd ever had. It was really hard. It was really long. And they kind of like put it, that story as part of their own kind of story, like what they're going to experience. And most of the time, if they consistently think that, they're going to manifest that whether they want it or not, because they truly believe it in their body. And so a lot of the time, they're also coming with very kind of dysregulated nervous systems. So they're coming through a lot of that anxiety throughout their pregnancy that they're then bringing on to the labor. And they're thinking, well, you know, in labor, just, you know, like the labor will take its own course. But you need, in order to feel safe, it needs, all, all these hormones need to be released from your mind. And if you don't feel that sense of safety, then your pattern of your labor won't come as you want it to come and kind of take on that natural course. And so in pregnancy, I work a lot through them through their core belief systems, not just of theirs, but of their partners. Because like for me, for example, when I kind of told you my story at a certain point, when I had my trigger, I then looked at my partner and my doula to give me that security of like, it's okay, I'm safe. But if a woman looks at her partner and he has an unresolved kind of belief system or his own trauma or things that he's known and seen about birth, and he can't look at her with that sense of security, then she will kind of think there's something wrong. You know what I mean? And that's when things can start crumbling. So we need to have that same safe space not just for the partner, but as well for the woman to be able to do this together. So we work through not just with, I work through not just with the, with the mom, but with her partner about where his or her belief system is so that they can look at what value they can bring into that birth space by opening like their hearts and their minds to how birth is going to be like. So that might just be like things that they were exposed to. A lot of the time men really kind of, you know, share only the the bad stuff that happened in labor and don't really speak about all the beautiful things that happen in birth. Or they are seeing things on TV which really depict birth in a very negative light. You know what I mean? So if you're constantly, you know, thinking of those or seeing those things or being exposed to those things, you're going to start thinking that birth is only going to go a certain way. You know what I mean? And if, if my wife is not lying on a bed with her feet in stirrups and things like that, then that's not normal birth. <laughs> so we work through that. We talk a lot about fears. I explain to them a lot in terms of like how anything unresolved, even through childhood, might come up in birth. And so a lot of the time, women then share anything that could potentially be an obstacle for them in labor. And we kind of work through it. And if I find that it's not enough just to work through it with me, I then refer them to either a psychologist or a hypnotherapist or someone that will kind of more kind of mind-body connection so that they can work through some of that stuff. And then we do a lot of exercises in terms of what safety equates to them. So we talk about if you hit certain points in labor, what would you need kind of thing? What would you need said to you? I speak a lot to the partners about what they can do in that space. And if a woman hits a wall or a crisis of confidence moment, what that would look like and how they can support that moment so that she's feeling empowered and not feeling like she can't go on anymore. 
I mean, so there's a lot of stuff that goes into it, but this is kind of just a snippet of the stuff that I kind of do with them. But I think for women to be able to go into their birth with kind of a clean slate, I think a lot of the work needs to be done in pregnancy. And I think that women discount how much of the work needs to be done in pregnancy and they think that they'll just deal with it later. But I think that's to their detriment if they don't go through that kind of transition. I agree with you 100%. So well mm-hmm. said, Moran. And I have to say, now you have me wondering, with all that you learned, you said you had baby number three. Now, I were did. you able to utilize a lot of this now? And yeah. how did you do anything different? Can you just take us through what that yeah. was like? Yeah. So I really wanted to have baby number three at home. But there were no midwives because we were living in a different area on the Gold Coast and there was no midwives that would come to me on the Gold Coast. And I really wanted a midwife at the birth. I had my second was an unexpected free birth and I didn't want to have a free birth. I wanted to have a midwife there. So I actually went through, I wanted to go through the birthing center as a second alternative. And the birthing center, I was one catchment out from the birthing center. And so it was either birthing in the hospital which is not a very good hospital, or again, just having a free birth at home. And so my sister actually lived in Ketchman. So I faked her address. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So the midwife used to have their appointments at home at the time for the birthing center. So I used to go to my sister's house and just put all my photos on the wall. (laughs) And like I moved there just to get into the birthing center. So that's what I had to do to get into the birthing center. My labor with Talia was very different from my other labors. In my other labors, I always had my waters release in labor right before kind of I was about to have my babies or kind of during the course of labor. But with Talia, it was eight o'clock at night. I was watching MasterChef (laughs) and my waters released. Like I had like in what felt like a really big release of waters. And so I was like, what the hell kind of thing. And so I rang the midwife and the midwife said to me, it was Monday night. She said to me, well, listen, if you don't go into labor by Friday, we'll think about induction, which is not really abnormal here in Australia because they don't usually give you that amount of time. But she was lovely. And she was like, listen, like, if you don't go into labor by Friday, we can talk about induction. Now, I knew from myself that I don't labor very well in hospital. Like, Hospitals just, for me, they're just, they, I don't connect with hospitals, especially after what happened. Hospitals for me, it kind of equates to you're sick, you go to the hospital, you don't go to the hospital if you're having a baby kind of thing because I'm not sick. And so I knew a lot of information at that stage, but yet this was a labor pattern that's never happened to me before. So I rang my doula and she said to me, okay, just let me know when you need me. And so my labor was kind of off and on, off and on, off and on. And at one point I thought it was like, oh, okay, it's kind of becoming a bit more active. Got into the hospital, contraction stopped. I did this two or three times, went into the hospital, contraction stopped. Went into the hospital, contraction stopped. Eventually my midwife said to me, if you show up one more time, I'm going to induce you. And you know what happens with induction. You're probably going to end up with a cesarean. She said that to me because she knew that I didn't want to end up with a cesarean. (laughs) So she said that to me because she knew that would get me to just stay at home. You know what I mean? So I actually needed her saying that to me because I felt like she knew me enough to know what to do to get me to stay home <laughs> until I'm ready to have a baby. 
So I stayed at home. It was actually my doula's birthday, and she was with me the whole time in labor. I still feel bad for her to this day. And I keep messaging her every year. And my daughter's like nearly 13. Happy birthday. I'm so sorry. Um, wonderful connection, though. So then middle of the night, labor just took a like huge turn. She was posterior. So the labor, I forgot her labor was, that's why I had a kind of stop start labor. She was like on my back the entire labor, but I felt good. Like I felt like it didn't feel anything that I couldn't handle. And again, one of my mantras was my body won't give me anything I can't handle. You know what I mean? That was like my thing that I said to myself. And so labor just progressed and it just took a turn. And I was just like having these immense contractions during that night. And then morning time, I was like, like succumb to like, okay, let's just have her at home. But she wouldn't come out at home. Like I felt like something's going on. She wouldn't come out. And so we were living up at uh, near Mount Tambourine, which is like up the mountain sort of thing up in the Gold Coast. And when we moved there, I put in my head, that probably when I'm in labor, we'll be stuck behind a truck that's going five kilometers an hour because it's only two lanes. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. And so that's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> Irish. Yes. You manifested it. <laughs> I manifested it. So then we were driving in the car and I was having these immense contractions, like really big. Like I was pushing at that stage. We were driving behind the car. My doula was in the passenger seat. My husband's driving. I'm in the back. And at that point, I said to them, call the anesthetist, tell them I want an epidural kind of thing when I get there. Okay. And nobody was saying a thing. And so in my head, I said to myself, and I remember because I felt this immense pressure and pain and like, and I said to myself, screw it. Like, if I have a baby here, I have a baby here, but I just can't let this pain take over my mind. So I'm just going to surrender to it. So I kept saying the word surrender, surrender, surrender. And then the, I don't know how to even explain it, but I felt like the pain was washing over me rather than taking hold. And so I felt this immense pleasure of like, it's just like, it's riding over me. Like, it's like this, it's riding over my body kind of thing. And so we got there. I couldn't even stand up because she was literally in my vagina. And then I walked into the birthing because they had to bring a wheelchair. I couldn't stand up. Like we were walking into the birthing center, like my husband, like wheeling me with a I went to a wheelchair and the midwife looked at me. She goes, you look like you're ready to have a baby now. And I was like, get me an epidural. What are you doing? <laughs> and she goes to me, but your baby's right there. <laughs> so I literally just kneeled on the floor and she just slipped out and the midwife caught her like a football hole, that kind of thing. And it was amazing. Like it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. It was literally so amazing. And they were trying to kind of, because you're still like, the birthing center was within a hospital. So they still like try to like, oh, your membranes, because I birthed her on a Wednesday. My contraction started on Monday when my water's released. So they're still trying to like, oh, we want to give her antibiotics. And I was like, you're not giving antibiotics to my baby. Like, sh you know, she's just born. She's like, I'm happy for you to do a blood test, check that she's, her white cell blood isn't elevated and stuff like, and they checked and we went home within two, three hours. And that was it. I was like, yep. I need to be a doula. I need to be a doula. <laughs> and you're an amazing yeah. doula. And look at like three incredible different yeah. experiences. A hundred percent. Isn't yeah. that amazing? I think people don't realize that sometimes that every birth is unique, even when it's the same person giving birth. Yes. And your yeah. journey took you to different yeah. places. Yeah. Oh, Moran, it's, <laughs> it's so amazing to hear your stories and just... 
the power that you got from each birth yeah. and that you're bringing yeah. to your work. You know, yeah. I don't know if you feel it, but we always say when you birth in your power and you have yeah. moments of joy, not that we don't have challenge or even pain yeah. too, but that ecstasy, that joy, that power, that's orgasmic. Would you say yeah. your births were orgasmic births? I wouldn't say orgasmic is the word. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I would say that it was pleasurable. Like I feel like I look back in my births and I don't think of it as anything that was, wasn't something that I could do. You know what I mean? I felt like if I could pick a word for my birth, I would feel power would be my word. Like I felt such power in my births. And I think that's what I want women to kind of take away from that is that no matter what type of birth you have, whether you had intervention, whether you had a cesarean, whether you had a home birth, birthing center, hospital, I want you to feel power. Like I want you to feel powerful because you were part of it. You were part of decision making. You were fully in your body and your body said yes to the experience. You know what I mean? And when you walk out of birth like that, like you're a changed person, like you really, really are. You know what I mean? Like it's something that will forever change you in every single aspect of your life, not just the way you mother your babies, but how you live your life, even how I run my business and how I like stand confident with women and I'm there for them. And I have so much to learn from their experiences that I feel deep gratitude to be able to be invited into that space. And it's just, it's, it's incredible. Like you can't, like it's the best job in the world. <laughs> I agree. And such wonderful words to kind of end yeah. with because you yeah. left everyone with such inspiration and such wisdom to consider. Now, I know many people are going to want to follow you like I do and reach out to you. So can you share a little yeah. bit about how people can follow you and any other offerings that you might have? Yeah. So first of all, you can follow me on Instagram on Two Life Doula and the same for Facebook. I've got lots of different, I do a lot of online private sessions with clients. So you can just go onto my website. Um, it's just www.twolife.com.au. It's the number two in the word life. And yeah, like you can always message me or ask any questions. I get lots of kind of DMs asking this or that. So just feel free to contact me. And yeah, thank you so much for your time, Deborah. I really appreciate oh, it. Thank you so much, Moran. This was truly a pleasure. And for everyone who's listening, I always love to ask you, please share, tag us. What did you enjoy? What are you taking away? What inspired you? Both of us would love to hear from you. And we thank you so much for joining us today. And if Moran inspired you, remember, if you'd like to be a doula, and I always say birth it forward to others, check out our doula workshops. You can find them on orgasmicbirth.com. So thank you again, and we look forward to having everyone join us next week on the next episode of the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe. Mm -hmm.